Well, happy Friday to all. You know what that means, right? Time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gamison. Hello, Adam. It's good to be with you in the studio again and here on this great Friday. And today we are going to talk about our second book in our 2014-2015 Speaking For Him book club, The Scarlet Thread, which is our contemporary fiction selection. Um, which means that as we push on toward our third selection, which we will reveal at the end of the show, that means we are already looking ahead to come up with titles for next year. So if anybody out there has titles that they would like to have us cover and would like to even possibly cover with us, please let us know. And you can do that by contacting us via the contact information that will roll at the end of the show. All right, we're going to swing it over to Adam for our quote of the day. And then um, Naomi and I will get back started with our next discussion. Resentment and anger eat away at love as quickly as rust is corroding that metal launcher out there in the backyard. One of life's greatest tragedies is watching a relationship unravel over something that could have been resolved in one intelligent adult conversation. That comes from the book we're reviewing today, The Scarlet Thread. Yes, and the reason I chose this quote was because I really think it kind of uh, talks about a major theme of the book. Um, There's two stories that weave into one for this uh, particular book. One is a mid-90s, which at the time of the writing was modern day. It's kind of scary that mid-90s is fast becoming (laughs) old-fashioned. 20 years ago. But that was 20 years ago, so... Uh, infer from that what you will. But anyway, essentially a modern-day story intermingled with the reading of a journal, which happened about 100 years before that. And so we're talking late 1800s to early 1900s. And it was just interesting how the two characters, um, especially um, Catherine Murray and Sierra Madrid, had a lot of things in common while having their differences. And... uh, so it should be interesting as we dig into our discussion what things stuck out to each of us and just the different themes that we talk about. So, Naomi, welcome back, first of all. Thank you for your continued pers- participation. Yeah. Uh, you make this a lot more fun than um, just m- me sitting here talking about a book, so it's good to have somebody to talk to, and I know we both love reading, so Indeed. this has been a good experience. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, what were your initial thoughts of this book? Uh, I thought your quote summed it up perfectly. The whole time I was reading the book, I felt like I wanted to sit Sierra down and just say, just tell him, Hmm. (laughs) Um, which if you read the book, you'll understand. Um, Also, I feel like the women are very different in some ways, but there's the similar thread that they have um, is their relationship with the Lord and finding him. Um, and then also, of course, their struggles with marriage and children. And well, the, one of the things that I really like about the book is is just that that kind of this idea that that times may change. Uh, you may have different challenges. Like nobody's going to take a trip that is of the intensity of the Oregon Trail mm-hmm. uh, today. If we were to drive the Oregon Trail, it would take us. A matter of days instead of a matter of months to a matter of years so we're not going to face those type of difficulties 
but the the feelings and the difficulties within that experience were very much like Sierra's when her husband uh, calls and drops a bombshell that not only has he accepted a job without talking to her, but he has already, for all intents and purposes, put their house on the market and uh, is going to move their whole family across the country um, to, or not, not really across the country, but, but, you know, a sizable amount of distance from where she is currently living. And, you know, her mom uh, actually gives this quote fairly early on in the book, you know, Mm -hmm. where she says about how these things can be resolved or at least dealt with through a series of, you know, uh, serious, um, mature, well-thought-out adult conversations but instead, uh, we allow things to go unsaid, and that can cause problems. Um, and I just, I know that it, it's very important to communicate. Um, communication is one of the most important things that we have in our relationships. And <clears throat> also, communication is only about 10% verbal. You know, we think of communication as simply being verbal. And the things we say, but sometimes we communicate more in the things we don't say uh, mm-hmm. and the way that we say certain things than we do in the things that we actually do say. So I just think that was a, a an, an overarching thing in this book for both stories. Um, I kind of did have a hard time following just because of the way the story switched back and forth. Yeah. And I found myself... Um, connecting more to the contemporary story and so um when i was reading the the old-fashioned story i kind of felt like you know at times i was like let's get back to the contemporary story but there were definitely some some interesting things and some intense things in that um older story as well Mm um so uh what did you find uh, particularly humorous about this book? Was there anything? Well, I do think it's funny because I actually identified more with the the older story. I I was actually enjoying that okay. one more. But um, I also find that time period fascinating. So that's part of it. But I did love how Catherine, or Mary Catherine, her writing was really blunt. Like her descriptions of things were really blunt and... It's like all the things that you think but you would never say out loud, she would write in her journal. And yeah. I mean, I, and I will say that as the book progressed, it got easier because when Mary Catherine starts writing her journal, she's just a young girl mm-hmm. and she grows into a woman. So her vocabulary and her syntax gets better, which is easier to read. And so from that vantage point, that's true. But it also underscores a point that it's good to be having this discussion because we are going to have different things mm-hmm. that we like about the book. and um, That's the beauty of books. It is. And I really think that that one of the more humorous um, things that happened in the book, actually it was also one of the more turning points in the book, and that was when Sierra was so upset because her her marriage had basically unraveled her husband, Alex, had left her, and she was working on another job, and she sensed that the guy that she was working for 
had fallen in love with her. And she's like, I can't work here anymore. I can't be around you because I don't want to cheat on my husband. She hadn't said that to him yet, but she left. And she's so upset and she's bawling and she's driving like a maniac down the highway. And she gets pulled over by a police officer. And she and she had basically been praying for divine intervention. And so she's kind of chuckling um, while she's crying. She's like, I prayed for divine intervention, and now you're here pulling me over for speeding. Well, it turned out that the police officer was a believer, and he encouraged her to come to church. And she becomes a believer after that. And so that was the catalyst mm-hmm. to bringing her to the right place with God and then um, the first in many building blocks to put her marriage back together and so I really did I really did like that I thought it was a really uh, good point in the book and it, and it stuck out to me because a lot of times our breakthroughs aren't going to come in the way we think they are um, and a lot of times God will meet us when we least expect him you know and I think you see that in the other story, too, because Mary Catherine, um, she says she doesn't believe in God. But the funny thing is, her whole journal is railing against God. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting that we could rail against someone that we don't believe in, which, incidentally, um, I will be reviewing uh, the movie God's Not Dead coming up here. And there's a lot of that similar sentiment in there of how can you rail against someone that you don't believe exists. But it's kind of interesting in Mary Catherine's case because she asks God um, to help her um, feed her children Mm -hmm. because her husband died. She's alone on the prairie. He brought her out here where she didn't want to go anyway, and now she's alone. And then God sends an Indian who um, isn't um, uh, known to be a believer but God uses that Indian to provide her with food. And she realizes that God can use any type of means to get our attention, any type of means to care for us, even the things that we don't consider conventional methods or things that we would consider being the way that he would work. And so so it's just one of the most interesting things about the book is just to see that God does work. God does work things out but they very rarely work out exactly the way we would plan. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. All right. So we've kind of talked a little bit about this already, but um, from your perspective, Naomi, what would you say is the biggest lesson in this book? Well, as you say, communication, and then also not to be afraid to share with those uh, close to you or... You know, just share with people your thoughts and feelings. We see Sayera restoring and building relationships with other characters in the book once she started really talking to them. Um, She has a problem with one of the ladies because her perception of the lady is something that is totally different from who that lady really is. And if she maybe would have in the beginning communicated with her, uh, they may have had a friendship sooner on. I had a similar experience in real life, and that was I had a friend who um, dressed differently than I would have ever been allowed to dress and talked about some things that I wouldn't necessarily talk about. 
and just had a different way about them than I was used to. And I had this idea that they were shallow. And for four years, that's the way I looked at them. I viewed them. And then we went into a Bible study together, and we started talking one night after the evening session, and we ended up talking, I think, for um, probably four or six hours. It was like 4 o'clock in the morning when we finally went back to our rooms and went to bed. And But the thing is, after from that point on, we were, we were uh, quite good friends, and we don't talk as much now as we used to, but we're still really good friends. But the thing that I realized is he was a great guy. But I allowed my perceptions to to rob us of f- what could have been four years of friendship mm-hmm. that I missed out on. So, I mean, I still struggle with it in certain respects because whether we, whether we like it or not, there is going to be an initial reaction that we have to people. And this is what I always say to people about outward appearances. We should not judge people by outward appearances. And so you know, we shouldn't get all up in arms if people decide to dress a different way than we would. But people need to realize that they will be judged by their outward appearances. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the way that we dress on the outside, while we have perfect liberty in Christ to do that, we can be conveying a message that we don't really want to convey. So we do need to watch what we do from that perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's just... Uh, an interesting kind of aside. Um, okay, um, continuing along. What is your favorite story of the book or scene, something specific that stuck out? Um, there's the part, well, first of all, I think it's interesting that Sierra's husband keeps trying to give her things to make her happy and not realizing that that's not what she was missing or wanting or desiring. She was desiring a relationship with him. And um, then I thought it was interesting that Mary Catherine has one part where she's writing about how she's thankful she has a husband that loves her. She has a roof over her head that doesn't have too many leaks. And she has beautiful children and their health. And they both share that the family is the most important thing, not what they have. And so it's not really one particular scene, but that was one part I thought was, you know, neat that both of the women were more concerned with their families, their husbands, their relationships. Well, one of my one of my favorite parts because you kind of as you're going through you wonder what's going on because um Alex wanted a divorce for a long time. He kept pressuring Sierra to give it and Sierra said she wouldn't and uh, when you first hear that you're like well that's good because you know you shouldn't uh give up on on a marriage and i wish that there wasn't no fault divorce in michigan and that there were less states that had no fault divorce because you know i've seen people go through divorce where only one party wanted it but they had no choice because in a no fault divorce state like michigan you know you don't even have to necessarily sign papers in order for your spouse to divorce you which is a sad thing mm-hmm. but as you go on you realize that um her her motives for hanging on aren't necessarily the best like she does want to keep her marriage together which is good 
but she also has this huge amount of resentment and so she's essentially trying to hurt him by by not signing the divorce papers and then she decides after she becomes a believer that she needs to let him go and again part of me in my sensibilities and my strong feelings against divorce was like no don't sign you know it's amazing how you can talk to uh fictional character sign of a good uh, well written book (laughs) but she signs and she gives him the papers and so she thinks you know as the years go by i think a couple years went by after that or maybe only a year i don't remember but but she thinks for all intents and purposes they're divorced that's what she thinks well you find out um after uh alex's girlfriend leaves him and he's kind of brought to his rock bottom you find out he never filed the papers, that he put them in the office shredder. So he says, you know, we're still married. And at first she's, like, really mad, and she's like, I, I don't even know how to process this. And then he asks her if if he can move into the condo park where she's living. And so he moves a couple houses down. And at first she, like, really resents it because the kids are always over there, and, and she's like, I'm going to lose my kids to him, and, but over time, they repair uh, their relationship. And then at the end, they fully reconcile. And it was, I just, I thought, I thought it was kind of neat, the perspective that they weren't divorced, because that would have, um, remarriage is possible, but it would have complicated things a lot more than it did in the fact that they weren't divorced. And also the fact that, you know, I, I read some reviews about this book, Preparing for Ours, and mm-hmm. I was on Goodreads, in particular, goodreads.com, and some of them were downright hostile because they said that that Francine Rivers was writing it, that it was Sierra's fault, and that it's always the woman's fault or whatever, and I didn't, I didn't get that vibe from her writing. And actually, by the fact that he didn't file the papers... Um, he was showing that deep down he did realize that he needed to reconcile, that he was wrong. And again, it com- comes back to how we opened the show with the discussion about communication. And then, uh, of course, with the Mary Catherine storyline, she went through a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger, because her father was a jerk. That's putting it mildly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he did some pretty despicable things, which really take this out of the realm of young readers. I'm not saying that people would try to have young readers read this, but I would say that if you are contemplating it, I wouldn't let anyone that is probably younger than 14 or 15 read it because mm-hmm. of the content, especially in the Mary Catherine storyline. Because um, she keeps a lot of stuff to herself. Uh, because she doesn't want to humiliate others, but there's a lot of stuff she has to work through in order to get to the place where she's able to to trust the Lord. But um, I just, there's a lot of good stuff in this book, and I think I said when I did a short review of And the Shofar Blue, way back in the beginning month or two of our podcast, I said Francine Rivers writes in such a way that you almost don't realize it's a novel. You almost mm-hmm. feel like these characters are real, 
and they definitely deal with real issues from a, an unwaveringly biblical perspective. And so that's why I like Francine so much, and that's why I chose this book for this year's Contemporary Fiction Selection. And as I've said on most of my podcasts that deal specifically with endorsing other content, I don't want to just look at content from the perspective of being this is good enough to watch or this is good enough to read. I want to give you things that I legitimately think you would be better for having read or better for having watched. And that's definitely the case with this book. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay, this should be an interesting one, Naomi. What character did you most root for during the course of this story? Uh. I did root for Sierra because I felt like um, she was letting others, or she was she was lose, not taking advantage of moments to communicate to her husband, and um, she was. I thought it was interesting that she grew up in a Christian home and yet knew so little about him, and so I kept. It would be like if I was there, I'd be like, no, no, you can do this. And no, you need to get to know him. And <laughs> Yeah. And if and if there was a plot hole, that was probably it. Um, I mean, obviously, growing up in a Christian home guarantees nothing. Um, right. my, my uncle, I have an uncle who is um, grew up in the same home as my dad. He's his twin brother, as a matter of fact. But he has nothing to do with... Um, the gospel and if we try to talk to him about it he turns it into an argument Mm -hmm. and everything that is liberal that we don't believe in he does and he (laughs) and he tries to fill our um you know uh, facebook feeds with all this kind of stuff that we just don't agree on and i find myself hiding a lot of the posts for that reason um and not only that but when we do get in a conversation online Instead of having a sentence response or whatever, it can be a three paragraph Mm. as if by the mere fact of it being longer, it's going to make more sense. Um, And that that could be a whole nother podcast, actually. But but the point being that that being in a Christian home guarantees nothing. But I definitely see where you're coming from in the fact that her mom had such a deep faith. Um. There was one thing that really bothered me about the story, though. The fact that she never told her daughter that she had cancer. And then, then you know, the daughter and the son find out, like, two weeks before their mom dies. Yeah. Oh, I have cancer and I'm dying. Like, I think I'd be pretty upset with my parents if they did something like that to me. Yeah. So, so um, you know, it's kind of interesting because I was, I too, um was rooting for Sierra. Um, and, of course, being that I have been raised in the home that I was and and I've seen the devastation of divorce, I was definitely rooting for both of them to get back together. And uh, it was nice that that happened. And in some ways, that seems like a buttoned-up um book ending the book ending that you would expect but on the on the other hand it really showed the real struggle Mm -hmm. and you know this isn't going to happen overnight we have to learn to trust each other again 
and you know so it showed a real process rather than a waving a magic wand and everything is okay but i i definitely again i rooted for sierra and i rooted for mary catherine too but the interesting thing about that was because it was a journal and it wasn't happening in present day there's still there was something that said you know at some point she's going to come to that place because this is why her mom gave her the journal is because she saw a lot of what Sierra was going through and said my ancestor Mary Catherine went through the same thing and so I'm going to give you this journal to to lead you on this journey and help you get through it so mm -hmm. yeah and just one um about you were saying how it's buttoned up i've read several stories of husband and wives getting divorced for different reasons and coming back together whether it's a year later or years later and one that i thought was really neat was uh, her husband had cheated on her and left her uh, came back said he was sorry and he would like to date her again and they did end up getting married again and she still didn't feel love toward him but she was committed. She believed this was the right thing to do. And so she committed to every day say one nice thing to him. And she found herself falling back in love with him. And I just thought that was a, a neat um, thing we can all do. And well, it is. And it, and, it, and it underscores the fact that when we're talking about these relationships, we're not just talking about a, a decision made by two people on this earth. When we make a marriage commitment, we make a commitment before God. Mm -hmm. And so we need to do things because God says they're right, not just because they work out in our economy. Because the way we do things and the way God does things are often quite different, and we need to line up with God. And the thing is that when you do things in love for other people, we've talked about this before on the podcast, it's hard to continue hating someone that you're doing loving things for. So I think that's an important thing to remember. Um, and it's also sobering because I saw a, a blog post. I, I know it's from a secular blogger. I didn't get a chance to read it before I came in. But it was five reasons why marriage doesn't work anymore. And I, I just grieved to read that because, because marriage was God's idea. And God is unchanging. The Bible says that the word of God will last forever. And so when God laid out marriage in scripture, he laid it out for forever. And the reason marriage doesn't work is because we start to think that divorce is an option and we start to think that we know better than God what to do. Now, I'm not sitting here trying to bash everyone that's been divorced and I hope it's not coming off wrong. But we need to make sure that we um, realize what marriage is. Because if we don't realize what marriage is, then we can't do it right. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, what was the most surprising thing to you about this book, Naomi? It's it's a small part in the book, but Joshua's story. Um, I was surprised how the author left that that line in the story, and because he's a big part of. Mary Catherine's life. Yeah. Um, he affects a big part of her life. And when you read the book, you'll see why I'm like 
that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I did find that very interesting. It's always interesting, like when you're when you're reading books or when you're reading a watching a television show, if they drop a character, mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, where did that character go? Especially when they seem to be a pretty major one. But it does make it like you're saying feel more real, because that does happen in life. We do have people that come in and out of our lives, and we don't know their end. Yeah, and and you never know when things are going to happen, you know. And it, well, a good example is this opportunity to review these books. You know, there was a, a long period of time in for both Naomi and I where we knew who each other was, but we didn't really have a friendship, be just because of various different factors. Mm-hmm. And um, God allowed us through a series of years and a series of circumstances to um become friends and then to become closer friends and to have the opportunity to work together on this book club so and i've also become good friends with her husband aj which mm-hmm. is very important because i want to make sure that their marriage stays solid and that i honor that so you yeah, just never know what god's gonna do <laughs> yeah yeah and for a while um my family's in wisconsin so we weren't even over here in michigan so it's neat how God brings people back into your lives. Absolutely. Well, for me, I'm just always surprised by uh, Terry Blackstock, or Terry Blackstock, <laughs> uh, Francine Rivers. Sorry, Francine. I'm very surprised <laughs> by Francine Rivers' de- depth when she writes and um, just the way that she weaves things together and how kind of how just different things fit together in our lives and the way she brings that out on the page. For instance, um, in the beginning of their relationship, Sierra's dad was somewhat racist and Alex is, Alex is a uh, Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And so he says some not kind things. And so Alex's goal, his thought process is, I got to prove myself. And so that drives him through college it drives him to hewlett packard and then it drives him to go to a startup where he can make computer games all because he doesn't feel validated he doesn't feel worthy and i know in my life i've struggled with inferiority so i knew what that was like so there was a lot of things that i resonated with and whenever you can resonate with a character uh then it makes it makes a bigger impact on your life and kind of helps you check your motives. And it's kind of strange to be able to say that that, that happened through a work of fiction. But it really did for me. Mm-hmm. So, okay. We're going to wrap up pretty soon. Appreciate you being here again, Naomi. Yeah. And uh, But we have one final question. If you were to tell someone in 30 to 45 seconds why they should <laughs> read this book. I don't think uh, it's possible. <laughs> Okay, take a minute. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, I can try to. Um, it's it's very interesting. It moves along quickly. I think I finished the book within a week, which for me, because I only get a little bit of time every night to read, is pretty fast. And if you get it, you'll you'll might be a little bit intimidated because you'll look at it and you'll be like, "This is a big book," but it yeah. doesn't. T- it really doesn't take too long. No, nope. It's so. and it's interesting. And if you're into video games, which I am. Not, but you might find that part interesting. Um, 
because she does try to be very accurate with at that time the technology and no I thought it was good I thought her um, writing of Mary Catherine is very accurate um, she goes into detail about things of that time which is interesting and then also Sierra's she does a good job of describing a lot of the emotions that Sierra is going through. So you really get a depth of what she's feeling and thinking. And I thought that was well done. Yeah. I mean, you do. I mean, and, and the thing is, uh, that that's the mark of a good writer. It's kind of interesting because when I'm reading a book, I like to read a lot of dialogue. I don't like books that are necessarily narrative rich unless it's a good narrator on an audiobook mm-hmm. um but the ironic thing is as a writer i know that it's easier to write the descriptive stuff than it is the dialogue like i envy people that can write these big long books with a lot of characters and keep them all straight matter of fact one of my other favorite authors Jeanette oak one of her her first series that she had she kept writing books of it and she even wrote a follow-up series um, because people liked it so much. But when she ended the first series, she's like, I'm ending it because there's so many characters yeah. and they're in so many different places that it's so confusing that I'm just ending here. And, of course, she ended up bringing it back partially. Mm-hmm. But I envy – I I shouldn't say envy. I guess that's, that's as good a word as any, though. The ability of some of these fiction writers to bring in so many characters and to not lose their depth. And that's one thing as I – contemplate um writing some fiction i'm working on my autobiography right now but after that i'd like to start writing some novels Mm -hmm. and that's one thing that i need to work on is character development and just learning how to write a fictional character so but but i just think that this book is good to read if you want to delve into a fun story that packs a powerful punch and maybe it will even help your marriage um, because maybe you'll see yourself in, in some of these characters and be able to prevent some of the trouble that they had. Um, and I know it sounds weird because it's a fiction book, but fiction can be powerful. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to wholeheartedly recommend it to you. We'll have a link uh, in the show notes on the blog about how you can purchase it from Amazon and uh So uh, we will look forward to being with you again in a few weeks. Our next selection is our Christian growth title for uh, this year, and it is Crazy Love by Francis Chan. And so we will be digging into that in the next couple of weeks, and we will hope to be with you very soon. Uh, We're, again, I think after that first book, uh, which was a doozy, (laughs) <laughs> I think some of these other books are a little easier to read, so we should be able to get these reviews up in a faster manner. Mm-hmm. But thank you for joining us once again on the Speaking for Him podcast. I know this podcast is a little lengthy, but I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you recommend it to your friends and that you continue to join us every Friday and specifically for our Speaking for Him book club podcast. Um, with that, I will say have a great weekend and keep serving the best of man. Master.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 